0: good morning I'm reading from Revelation chapter 2 verses 8 through 11 and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life I know your tribulation and your poverty but you are rich and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not but are a synagogue of Satan do not fear what you're about to suffer Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who con- conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Amen. So, Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Have you ever wondered what Jesus is saying to you? about your walk with him? You ever wonder how to assess whether or not you are tracking in life of the way the Lord wants you to? Perhaps you know something is just not quite right. Something is a little uh, off kilter. And you could use a word from the Lord for clear, unmistakable, unambiguous direction. Wouldn't that be great? Have you, have you ever heard Christians say, I know I've have, I've, over the years I've heard Christians say so many times, I wish the Lord would just really speak directly to me. <laughs> no, I wish he would just, you know, just make his word clear to me. I only can hear him clearly. Well, uh, he has, brothers and sisters. <laughs> the Lord has, in fact, spoke to us. He has done so in his word. The place, the venue, the location where he speaks most often and most clearly is the gathered body of Christ. Exactly what we have here in the last book, that mysterious, scary book of the Bible. Jesus is in fact speaking to his church. To us, to you directly in the plural. Most of the U's in the New Testament, especially the epistles, are in the plural. It speaks to his people collectively. And you can't, you really can't get much clearer than that. Listen to how John introduces, uh, or his introduction in, in the first chapter, verses 9 through 12. It says, I, John, your brother, and partner in tribulation, and in the kingdom, and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see that voice that was speaking to me. Jump down to verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. And the living one, I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this so so what do we have here we have Jesus speaking to his church so I've titled this message for our time together straight and I'm terrible by the way don't take the title home with you I'm terrible at at, at titling messages I don't do it too often but it's a special occasion 10 years is a special occasion so I've called this straight talk to a faithful church Jesus knows his church could use some straight talk, especially after 10 years of faithful service. Let me pause. 10 years, brothers and sisters, is a long time. Now, I know you're in a city or around a city. Perhaps churches have been around for hundreds of years. Historical churches, they they call them. But make no mistake about it, 10 years in faithful service is a long time. It's just a long time to do anything faithfully for the Lord. And and in these 10 years, you've seen that uh, changes happen. A lot of them happen in in 10 years. You know, it it took only a, um, a little over 12 or 13 years for us to have 11 grandchildren. (laughs) They're popping out children like crazy, right? A lot of things can happen in 10 years. And for a church to be faithful over 10 years, Jesus says, I have a word for you, my my, my faithful people. Let me give you some observations at this point that, that should be helpful as we make our way through the text. The message John sent, uh, to, um, that he wrote was sent to all of the churches in Asia Minor. Even though each church had its its own specific message, but each message was sent to all of the churches. So, so the messages, chapter 2, chapter 3, must be read as one message to the universal church. That's why... At the end of every um, letter or message, it says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, what does this mean? This means that the the circumstances surrounding the church at large and and individual local congregations are are varied and complex. I was with a brother a couple of uh, weeks or so ago, and he says, you know what the problem with the church is? And I'm like, the problem? Yeah, tell me what that is. (laughs) These letters tell us that there are are issues, circumstances. They're varied and they're they're complex. And so it requires a a multi-level analysis of any given congregation at the the local level. and, and, And it holds true for our own personal lives. Isn't that right? They're complex people. For example, the church at Ephesus was doctrinally precise, but they lost the capacity to love imperfect people, namely each other. The church at Pergamum, they stood firm in the the face of rash rash persecution, but they lost sight of that, that line between social engagement and immorality or vice. Church at Thyatira was a loving body, serving each other well and exhibited patient endurance. Yet they lacked the discernment to separate loving, struggling believers from those who were just plain committed to immorality without repenting. Church at Sardis was a self-deceived people; their self-analysis was way off and jilted. They considered themselves alive when, in fact, a great portion of them were dead. Philadelphia was was the faithful congregation that needed to be urged on in the faith. They needed their eyes fixed upon the true king, the Lord Jesus Christ, who had in his possession the, the key of David, unlocking what could not be locked any longer and locking what never could be, will be unlocked church of Laodicea, which is probably the most popular church, was similar to the church at Sardis. They based their relationship on what they owned materially. Their prosperity blinded their eyes from their true condition. Now, here's the thing with these, with these two chapters in, in Revelation. Any one of these churches could at any time or be faced with any of the other assessments from the other congregations. Therefore, the letters are to be read by all the congregations, including East Point and New Life, Waukegan. Churches received an identification uh, from Jesus pertinent to their local circumstances. These descriptions of Jesus must then always be necessary for his church in all circumstances, right? They continually remind us of him who owns, engages, speaks to, loves, comforts, and rules his church. Now, specifically, verses 8 through 11, Church of Smyrna, uh, you will notice that Jesus gives the same identification of himself that he gave in John's introduction in verses 17 through 18. He said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I'm the first and the last, and the living one, I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades.' So just reading the identification of Jesus lets us in on a clue as to what's going on and what this church needed. Something to do specifically with life, death, and eternity, which sounds to me like the ABCs of the Christian life. So Jesus identifies himself, beginning, as the first and the last. The living one who died and, and came to life. Now, typically when we read our Bibles, we read, just, we read quickly sometimes. Sometimes we read slow. But in this case, we cannot overlook this little introduction of Jesus or his identification of Jesus. Not to take in much more than what we can examine this morning. Nonetheless, we can't, we can't gloss over Jesus' identification of himself since it's his church and he's speaking to his church and he thinks it's necessary for his church to know who he is or who it is that's speaking to them and certain characteristics about him. So he says to them, you know, I, I'm the living one. And I died and I, I came to life. I'm the first And the last. So what is Jesus saying to the church? What do they need to hear from him? They need to know that Jesus transcends what we know as time. He's before everything. He's after everything. And this has implications. Mainly, he is bigger and greater than anything in time. Now, that might sound simplistic, brothers and sisters, but we're creatures of time. Have to sit and we have to think this thing through with Jesus, as He says, "Listen, whatever happens in time, which is where you dwell, I'm bigger than that. I'm greater than that. So whatever circumstances you have in your life, He's bigger than all of them. What's really big in your life right now? What's that huge thing? What's the central, major priority for you right now? What's what's the main dilemma?" marriage children job finances health what is it just name it claim it <laughs> no matter what it is Jesus is bigger than that Man. if if Carter, if if I could get, no, no, I can't, because this is a work of the Spirit, but if we can get struggling couples to understand that. I I love my spouse. And 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 she loves me. And she can do that, and I can do that, though we're both flawed. You know why? Because we're living. For and with Jesus, and he's bigger than us in our marriage. He must be more to us than our marriage. Then he's more than that argument, isn't he? He's more than that position that you've jockeyed for, and you've thought about it for the last 24 hours, and you know you're right. I can endure all all life's challenges, no matter the extent of them, because I'm living for and in Jesus, and he's bigger, and he's better, and he will outlast all of those issues. This is why paradox is so vivid in in, in this portion of Scripture, or in all of Scripture, but it's really vivid here. Look at verse 9. Why Jesus can say that, you know, I, I know you're poor, but you're rich. And <laughs> it is it, it, these Jews, right? But really, they're of the a, of a synagogue of Satan. Verse 10, he can say, be faithful. This is, look at this. Faithful unto death, crown of life. It's a paradox here. They need to be reminded, Smyrna, East Point, New Life. Southwest need to be reminded of the biggest of Jesus. He is the divine sovereign over all history. He possesses the, the attribute of eternity. That's why, why death couldn't hold him. Death is no match for the one who is eternal. They needed to know this in Smyrna. And, and, and here's why. Verse 9, I, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. They were taking shots from all directions, brothers and sisters. You ever feel that way? I mean, you walk a little bit, you walk away from that thing, and you walk right into something else. You know, maybe you're at work, you know, and it's this coworker? Janelle sent us a, uh, it was right before we left, I guess she said that um, Thursday, was it? Maybe, I don't know what day of the week it was last week, but something, you know, when you're on the internet, you get all kind of craziness, right? So she said that Thursday was uh, national uh, slap your, um, um, s- slap your uh, something uh, co-worker day. <laughs> yeah, slap your annoying co-worker day, something like that. It was Thursday or Wednesday or something. And, 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 the, and the person says, I'm glad I'm an octopus. <laughs> and other line said, uh, you better stay home from work. <laughs> you might be that annoying co-worker. Taking shots from all directions, this church was. They were Taking shots from the society that they were in, that they existed in, the town itself taking shots, no doubt, from unfaithful members in the congregation. Wherever they, they, they turned around, they were, they were getting hit. They were getting hit with just with their circumstances. They were poor. So every day they were reminded. They were reminded they didn't have all the resources. In some cases, those that were necessary just to get along in life. We recently moved from uh, Central Lake County, Illinois, New Life did, to Northeast Lake County, Illinois. Of those of you unfamiliar with that area, Central Central Lake County is an affluent suburban area, and that's where we planted the church. Uh, Don't ask me why, that's a long story. But we planted it there, and now we we move to Northeast, Lake County. And one of the differences between Central Lake County and Northeast Lake County is the ability or inability to cover up difficult circumstances. They can't, couldn't, they can't mask it, Brother Bino. They don't have the resources to do that. Right? The Smyrna congregation was materially dirt poor. Now, it's hard for us to relate to that, isn't it? Because we're not, (laughs) right? Um, There are people in and among us who who live at different levels from other folks. But the poverty that was happening in this congregation, most people don't understand. (laughs) They couldn't cover up, you know, their circumstances. They couldn't band-aid it by going to the ATM or by using a credit card that just had maybe an extra $100 left before you maxed it out. They couldn't run to mom and dad who had resources. They didn't have that in this congregation. They were dirt poor. And every day they woke up with that reality. Not only that, but they were recipients of slander. Jews seem to carry some significance in this community. Judaism at this point in history was not seen as, as anti-emperor worship yet. It was coming, but it hadn't happened yet. They, they had an agreement with Rome, the Jews did, that they would offer sacrifices to the emperor in respect. Just out of respect, but not in worship. We're, 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 just, we're just honoring, you know, the emperor this compromise that the Jews put in place had several outcomes. One, it gave the so-called compromising Jews some level of influence in the Roman Empire. It allowed them to use this said influence against the Christians who they considered to be heretics. Thus, they slandered the Christians, which no doubt led to a lot, was the cause of, in fact, was their tribulation that they faced, came at the hand of these Jews who, in fact, capitulated to, to Rome, the, the government at that time. And you know, it's always, and we do that, and you see children do it as well. One of, the, one of the best things or best ways that we fallen people use to take the heat off ourselves is to join folks and put it on somebody else. And that's what they did. You, you see children do that when you, several of them, they gang up on that one. We had our grandchildren at our home uh, last week. Well all 11 of them were there. We should have came last week. but anyway, <laughs> they were there. We had, we had a great time, but at one point, the six that are from Fort Wayne, we, we saw this thing going on with one of the um, younger ones. All f- five of them had ganged up on her. right? And they ran her out of the basement, man. She ran upstairs crying and carrying on, because, you know, she had kind of a little of influence with the dad, right? They didn't like that, right? So what we'll do is we'll just gang up on her and we'll make sure that the dad knows she ain't the one you think she is. <laughs> and that's kind of what we have in an adult fashion going on here at Smyrna. Their capitulation was not lost upon Jesus. He revealed their true identity as slanderers who were actually members of the synagogue of Satan. Do you hear the the ultimate reality check that Jesus gives this church? All this is going on in their their small, impoverished community. All these things are happening to them, and Jesus gives them a reality check. It's at the beginning of um, of verse 9. It says, I know. I, I know. Perhaps some of the most comforting, reassuring, encouraging words in all of Scripture... Have the Lord say, I know what's really going on. It could be scary, too, if you're foul, but if things are going bad for you, at at no fault of your own, to, to hear Jesus say, I know, says to us in a real way that Jesus does not ignore nor minimize the severity of our circumstances no matter how severe you think they are, Jesus knows the true severity of your issue. No matter how bad it is, Jesus knows how really bad it is. As a matter of fact, his insight demonstrates he knows more about our issues way more than we do. Check this, he knows what they were going through, and he informs them of what they're about to go through what they are about to suffer. Check this. He he knows their suffering will be escalated, verse 10. This is straight talk to a faithful church, brothers and sisters. Tribulation, slander will escalate to incarceration. Incarceration will lead to death. Jesus says, you're struggling. It's going to increase. And some of you, you're going to die. This is straight talk, isn't it? The kind that we need, kind of that a faithful church needs after 10 years of faithful service. His knowledge is is so precise too, brothers and sisters. He says, not all of you, only some of you will be incarcerated. That's precision, isn't it? Because he knows. Not all, but only some of them will be tested unto death. He, he knows the depth, the extent, and the length of their troubles. Just 10 days. It's, it, it's not going to last a long time. Just 10 days. Sam Cook, Carter, and the soul stirrer said it like this Trouble don't last always. Contextually, <laughs> it appears death will be the instrument that ends some of their tribulation. Don't think about death like that, do we? But this is straight talk, right? Last year, there was so much, so much death in our family last year. Um, my, my wife's oldest sister, the matriarch of the family, went to be with the Lord last year after suffering um, from, from, from cancer, devastating type of cancer. And, and none of us ever imagined, feel that for the Lord to take her home would be the expiration of her cancer. We don't view it like that. We don't view tribulation and troubles and trials ending like that. We want them to end in time. But remember, he's first and last. He's bigger and better than time. So his perspective is better than time. Some of them will be put to the ultimate test. and Some of you will be too put to the ultimate test. John is the last living apostle of Jesus at this time. He has firsthand knowledge of this. He's not speaking outside of the side of his neck or just some kind of, he's not giving them these platitudes that that just sound spiritual. John's speaking from what the Lord had told him to say and from, from his personal experience as well. Several of his brothers whose tribulation was ended by death. John saw it happen. Perhaps his suffering now in exile will end in death. He's unsure. It could very well end in death. So he who writes this must first embrace the straight talk himself. We who read it centuries later must also embrace this straight talk from Jesus. Now, I had the, the privilege of pastoring my parents Early on in in my pastoral ministry, when we were still living in South Bend, my father had this tradition. It it happened all the time. I mean, it's just one of those things. Daddy did it every time we had a class. Every time we had a class, Sunday school class, Daddy was sitting there, and he was, after every lesson, he put his hand up. It got to the point, I was like, I know he's going to ask. I know he's going to ask. He does it every, every week. He does this. He raised his hand. And, and his question is the same. He would say, okay, now, what does that mean for us today? <laughs> <laughs> now, I, you know, I don't know if Daddy wanted clarity if we was saying that I wasn't really being too clear when I was teaching the lesson. <laughs> and, you know, a, and after a while, I, I gathered Daddy just wanted real practical lessons for everything that I taught. Bring it, bring it home. So let me give you a few, and I'm going to be done with this text. Do not fear what you, plural, are about to suffer. The message was through the entire church. But only some of them will actually suffer. Let me me, me reword that. Some of them, only some of them will actually suffer, but it will affect the entire church. Some of you. But the whole church is going to feel it. They were in this thing together. That's what I read in Eternal Life Together, Brother Phil, and those of you who contributed to that. That's what I heard last night. We're in this together. One suffered, they all suffered. One experienced extreme tribulation, they all did. They all feel the pain by the incarceration of some. The death of faithful saints brought grief and joy upon the entire congregation. Paul covered this in his letter to the Corinthians, right? 1 Corinthians 12 20. He says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, this is one of those times, brothers and sisters, that you bring some deduction to the, to the text. You, you read it and you say, Okay, now, if that means this, then this must mean this. Let, let me show you what, what, what I mean. If, if in some way all of the church felt, experienced by the faithfulness of some in the church, if, if all of them felt the outcome of that faithfulness, i.e. tribulation, slander, and death, if all of them felt the experiences of faithfulness, does that then mean that all of them would feel the experiences of unfaithfulness. Doesn't that mean that? If they are involved in, 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 in going through what faithful folk go through as a congregation, and as a congregation they were feeling the lack of faithfulness. That's what the little word, little plural word you means. You know, know, the plural word you means it's not only about you. It's about you, all of you. Little you holds us all together. That's why any church could be in in, in, in verse 8 as he began, and to the angel of the church at East Point, Georgia, to the angel church of New Life, Waukegan, any church. The you... It's for faithful experiences, and the you also, brothers and sisters, is for unfaithful experiences, right? So you think you don't show up? It affects nobody. Well, you know, I just didn't feel like it. No, I was tired. I, I, you know, from last night, I, I would venture to say, there's, there's very few people here that are not tired this morning a little boy, so I know I'm is, <laughs> right? I said, "Well, yeah, I got something else I got, I have to do with what with what I committed to giving to the church. The whole church is affected by that, huh? You don't give. You think this is only your budget? It's only your income? Well, actually, it's just, it's the budget income of everybody here, <laughs> right?" Next, I would say to Dad, Jesus makes sure they, we know the source of suffering. Satan is behind the slander from the so-called Jews. This is, this is a, theirs is a synagogue of Satan. The imprisonment might have been at the hands of local authorities, but the force behind it was the devil. Such is the case with all spiritual warfare, something the church is always engaged in. The, the stakes are always high. Bets are always off. We might be, but our adversary, the devil, is never playing games. So we're called to put on the whole armor of, of God. We're not to wage war according to the flesh, using fleshly weapons. We have divine power destroying arguments and lofty opinions, bring every thought captive to obey Christ. We're fighting against a real enemy with real intentions on doing everything possible to upend our faith, to derail our perseverance. To stop everything that Christ is doing in our life. But it won't happen. It won't happen. It will not happen. Which brings us to our next practical application. Because Dad would say, how do you know that? How do I know that Satan won't be successful in his attempts to sideline us? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Look at the middle of verse 10. That you may be tested. Amazing, amazing words. They get at the real purpose of, of what's really happening in this congregation at Smyrna, East Point, Waukegan, and all over the globe. Satan, as we've discovered, he has intentions, but the Lord has purpose. And his purposes will never fail. Let me explain that. Everything Satan throws at believers are tests. While Satan intends to tempt us to failure, the Lord is testing us unto faithfulness. Thus we have the injunction, be faithful unto death. This is not Satan's intent, but it is the Lord's purpose. That's why he knows. He he knows the tribulation. He knows the suffering and, and death because he is the one ordering the test. That's why, I mean, you might not like them very well. Right? You've had them. Those tests. Right? And the teacher, he or she, they administer this test and they put it out, and it's one of those. I can't stand those time tests, man. I, I pencils down on all of those kind of stuff like that, man. I'm like, man, I'm, it's a test. Give me some time with this rascal, right? And, they, and, 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 and they're standing there. And, and in most cases, when you're, when you're younger, you know, your kid, you think oh, they have this glum look of satisfaction on their faces, you know, like, you know, and, and, and you know why? You, you, you know why? The, the the teacher, the instructor stands there with such confidence and all kinds. You know why? Because he or she knows what's on the test. They made the test up. They made it up. Like, like, like the test that that Wama that, that gave last night about what messages were being preached around here.
1: He had the answers in his hand.
0: Folks kept saying Genesis. No, man, it ain't Genesis. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm not talking Genesis. <laughs> his purpose is not for us to be disillusioned by current tribulations, defeated by inevitable suffering, or derailed at the prospect of death. That's, that's not his purpose. And you can hear this in the incentive, the promise, and the expectation of the words, and I will give you eternal life. I will give you the crown of life." Now Some people take that text and they, and, and they, and they make it um, circumstantial. Now there's an old, "Be faithful unto death, and I will give you. I hear the and I will give you the loudest in that passage. That's his purpose, and his purposes will never fail. He is the first and the last right back to the very beginning of this, right? The first and the last who died and came to life. So then he's bigger than it all. None of life's trials will prohibit him from giving us the crown of life. This is what he intends to do. This is his purpose, and he he will do it. Hear what I'm saying, says the Spirit of Jesus. I will give you the crown of life. Whoever would lose his life will save it. I will give you the crown of life. He can make this promise because he conquered death. By living, by dying and coming to life. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for death to hold him. His flesh did not see corruption. God raised him up so he can make a promise like this. I will give you the crown of life. I'm in charge. Not a play on words, brothers and sisters, not a play on words. Poverty means rich and because death means life. The apparent defeat that is paradoxically the supreme victory. It's a straight talk to a faithful church. To those who Jesus purposes to give the crown of life, to those who conquer will not be hurt by the second death. Not only will we not suffer the second death, but we will not be hurt by the second death, the lake of fire, eternal death. We won't even be touched by it. It will have no effect on us at all. Why? Because he who is life has promised, he has purpose to give us life. It's bigger than it all. He's bigger than death. Paul wrote over in Colossians, our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, we will also appear with him in glory, crowned with life. If only the Lord could speak clearly to me. If only I heard him speak plainly. Well, he has, beloved. We have it right here. Straight talk to a faithful church. He who has an ear let him hear what Jesus has said to his churches. May the Lord be pleased to continue to make himself known to and through East Point Church. Not just for the additional 10 years, but until eternity rings in and we're given the crown of life. Let's pray together.